Hey everybody, I'm Rob McMichael, along with Tim Whitaker and Jordan Renault. This is our podcast, Coffee, Theology, and Jesus. Our purpose for this podcast is to discuss this messy, difficult, and amazing thing we call the Christian faith. As Christians, we are encouraged and challenged constantly to see what the Bible teaches us about who Jesus was and how he lived, and how we can better represent him and his message every day. Join us each episode as we explore how this relationship with Jesus affects everything from politics and religion to relationships and theology. Now that you know a little bit more about us, let's get into the episode for this week. Today on episode number 45, we cover the topic of Sabbath in the believer's life. We try to answer the question, could the intention of Sabbath in the Old Testament law have application to believers living today in a post-Jesus age? We have a special guest on this episode to aid the discussion of developing a mindset that looks back to the Old Testament roots and use it to practice Sabbath even today. Join in as we learn about the Sabbath. Welcome everyone! To the Coffee Theology and Jesus podcast. I am your host, Tim Whitaker, joined as always with my other hosts, Jordan Renault and Robbie Michael. Hello, gentlemen. Hey. Hi, Tim. And on top of that, we got someone on our podcast, a special guest, who is way smarter than all three of us. Not even a question. <laughs> um, but we decided to bring him on because he is. Brilliant, frankly, and I've also known him for a long time. My good friend and Jordan's good friend, Paul Guttaker. Hey, guys. I mean, I can't be that smart if I've been friends with Tim for a really long time. <laughs> wow. I love this guy. You know what? We're gonna, I'm gonna, it's right in. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to edit that part out to say something much nicer. Um, yeah, Paul, you know, I heard you on another friend, friend's podcast, I guess. Was it uh, – what, what was the podcast that you were on? Oh, uh, Mere Fidelity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With Matt and, Anderson. and the yeah. guy, Matt, I'm sure he's real nice, but he made it seem like he knew you. I'm like, no, no, I know <laughs> Paul Cuttaker. Okay, I was there when he was 14. I was there when we were fishing out of the back of his creek. I was there when we rewrote a Point of Grace song about fishing. I was there for all of that. Your buddy, Matt, was not. So is that his name, Matt? That, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, you were you were there for that. Uh, you know, we've got some stories we could tell. We could probably spend an hour just um, sort of ruining each other's carefully cultivated public personas. Yes, yes, exactly. So I won't <laughs> do some that. Of the middle school and high school <laughs> stories. Yeah, we do go back a long way. Um, it's been, uh, I guess, sixteen years now. It has to be close to that. Yeah, longer than that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think we met when I was. Yeah, I think it's been 20 years. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, so a long, long time. Well, Paul, it's great to have you on the show. Um, why don't you um, just kind of give uh, the audience out there a little bit of your background, kind of what you're doing, where you're located, all that good stuff. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, I grew up in New Jersey with Tim. Um, I'm currently in Waco, Texas. I'm finishing my doctorate in history here at Baylor University. Uh, before Waco, my wife and I were um, at Regent College in Vancouver, um, and I, I, you know, I have a love for sort of theology and church history and the history of Christianity. So, um, Tim and I always have great conversations whenever we hang out or catch up. Um, but yes, we live here in Waco. We've got, uh, almost two year old James and we also are, the thing we're sort of excited to talk about is, um, this ministry called Brazos Fellows, which is a, a nine month residential fellowship for college grads who want to study theology, um, do some vocational discernment and, and, uh, and do it all in a community that sort of shares life together and shares, um, spiritual disciplines together. So we're in our first year of that and, um, it's been a lot of fun. So I'm excited to hang out and talk with you guys. Yeah, man, that's awesome. I mean, um, this was your first year of doing that fellowship. Is that correct? It is, yeah. So we've got our first cohort, and um, it's been a blast. I mean, sort of pursuing learning for the sake of learning, you know, without grades and and um, and and all that goes into that. But also, sort of trying to seek holistic growth, not just intellectual growth, but trying to grow um, uh, as persons and the whole. And so, some of the things I think we'll talk about on this 
on this um, podcast will we'll relate in some ways, but it's it's been great, and we actually we are accepting applications for next year. So if anybody um, isn't sure what they want to do next and want to live in Waco for nine months, you can uh, check our website out, brazosfellows.com. Um, always happy to talk about it. So I would imagine any good Christian single person, most likely female, wants to go to Waco to worship at the altar of Chip and Johanna Gaines. So <laughs> hey, it's probably a great right. reason to get out there and do some spiritual stuff while you're there. So, I mean, what other way can you get your church to fund your schooling, but really Chip and Johanna Gaines studying, but by doing this? So That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. Hey, you know what? Funny, people, <laughs> people come to Waco from all around the world now just to visit the – the expensive gift shop, you know, so you can't, you can't miss it. Well played, that's, Paul. Well played. <laughs> that's not it. That's not at all. Why I went to Texas, Waco specifically last year. Why not at all. That is exactly why I went. <laughs> well, uh, Sarah and I came, I think we went out in May, Paul, to visit you guys, which was not for, I didn't even know. Honestly, I don't know who Chip and Johanna Gaines even was until we got there. I don't follow anything on HGTV at all. But we went out there with with you guys, and it was great. That area, honestly, regardless of who's, you know, that um, uh, Chip and Johanna being out there, it's obviously a great location. It's super cool. It's super nice. So it's great. Yeah. Well, we're glad to have you on, Paul. Um, It's going to be definitely a good episode. I'm really excited about this one for sure. I'm excited to get your insight. Uh, because I think all three of uh, me, Rob, and Jordan's degrees don't add up to even like a master's. So, you know, <laughs> this is very exciting to have someone of your caliber on our show. I'm excited about that. Speaking of smart things, wait, 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 what? I what? do have a bachelor. I have Rob a bachelor's of science in mechanical engineering. Yes, but if you add up, okay, so if you add up your bachelor's degree, my like year and a half of schooling, and Jordan, what do you got? I have three years of. College. All right, we're almost That's... to a master's. So my point hey, is, anybody, we're almost to a doctorate. <laughs> anybody with a doctorate in anything sciency is definitely smarter than I am. So I mean, well, yeah, they'll give they'll give theology degrees to anybody. <laughs> That's a good point. Um, I, guys, I wanted to bring this up because I read an article that I really thought was a Babylon Bee article. Turns out it's not. It's totally legitimate. I'm just going to read you guys the headline. Um, the headline is, 27-year-old man plans to sue his parents for having him without his consent. Quote, they had me for their joy and pleasure. That's his argument. And he is actually suing his parents about this. And I wanted to get your, your reactions just off that headline alone that we are now in a culture where um, children or I guess – young adults are now suing their parents for having them without their consent. I mean, how I, I go ahead. I, I, I need some gut reactions on this. <laughs> Paul, you want to go first or, or Jordan? I don't care. Someone just go. It's just pretty ridiculous. I don't know. I like part of me is like surprised by it. And then another part of me is like, yeah, it's just like the next step in a line of, like that logic of thinking that's my reaction to it (laughs) i kind of feel like it's not a very good argument um because if it's one thing if you're like my parents had me because they wanted help around the house you know but joy and pleasure (laughs) actually yeah joy and pleasure actually sound like pretty benevolent and and good motives for having you know for bringing life into the world so maybe you know maybe he wished they were more mercenary. I don't know. Like, what would be the motive for having a kid that he would be like, "Oh, that's cool. I'm fine with that." Yeah. <laughs> Robbie, got anything know. on this? I mean, it's ridiculous. It, yeah, yeah I, no, there's nothing that can be said about this. He also <laughs> has a video titled on YouTube titled "Don't Respect Your Parents Unless You Want to." I mean, wow. Like, the amount of entitlement. I don't even know what to say to this kid. Who who thinks this way? Wow. Anyway, I just... It was it's, our gen- it's our generation, Tim. Honestly, <laughs> dude. I mean, I'm just... It's just shocking. You know, like, the article's going on saying that... Um, uh, oh, here's an article. Uh, someone uh, on, like, the, uh, the... I guess the... Video that he posted was calling parents hypocrites, uh, hypocrites, and then asks the question: Isn't forcing a child into this world and then forcing it to have a career kidnapping and slavery? (laughs) 
I mean, this is yeah. Wow, my generation. That's Woohoo! Solid. Yeah. Solid logic. So yeah, I mean, I figured how could we not start with that? Do you did you guys read Calvin and Hobbes? Yeah. So there was the like one of my favorites was always his banter back and forth with his dad, and the one time he was saying something back to his dad, and his dad just turns and says to him, he's like, Calvin, it takes uh, an average of $250,000 to raise a child from zero to 18 years old. The question is, is that a gift or a loan? (laughs) And I feel like that's what this kid's parents need to be like, all right, give us back all the money that you owe us then. Right, right. (laughs) I mean, yeah, since you're so... Since your your life was so cruel and so unjust and so non-consensual, you know, why don't you just pay us back yeah. all the money? <laughs> he was having such a good time before he was born. <laughs> <laughs> How dare they yeah. rip him out of that? Yeah, well, Rob, didn't you say like uh, like one of the arguments the kids said is that is that they had him just for their joy and pleasure? And Rob, what did you say? You were like, well, they were probably having joy and pleasure when they conceived him. So I guess that's partly accurate. You know? but, uh, yeah. just so dumb, so ridiculous. Anyway, yeah, I figured that would be a, a funny, uh, just one of those articles where you're like, this can't be real, but it turns out it's completely real. So um, I'm excited for this episode because, frankly, Paul, you know, you and I, we've talked pretty often. We talk about all kinds of things, all kinds of theological things and church stuff. And um, I feel like there's so many different things that we could talk about and probably get a lot out of. But I'm excited for this particular topic because I think that it is, hmm, I guess, probably very necessary more than ever in our particular American culture and probably also a very misunderstood idea for many, many reasons. Um, so I figured, you know, maybe we can kind of, uh, I'll just kind of mention the topic and maybe kind of give like uh, maybe a few questions around it, Paul, maybe you can answer and kind of see where it launches us. So, you know, the topic that we decided to talk about was this idea of Sabbath, the idea of taking a rest, the idea of taking a rest from your work. And, you know, Paul, I know, actually, Paul, I think you and Paige have practiced Sabbath pretty regularly. Is that correct? Yeah, we took a class a number of years ago on Sabbath keeping, and um, I think it was actually our, the first class we took at Regent in 2010, and it was just really radical at the time. We, you know, I think we thought of Sabbath as like this thing that like you do if you're really sort of legalistic or, um, you know, that sort of thing, and so, but this sort of opened, opened a, a broader vision of what it could mean, and so, we, yeah, since then we've we've tried to keep a Sabbath practice of kinds. You never do it perfectly um, or all the ways you sort of hope, but it has really shaped our lives, I guess, for almost a decade now. Yeah. You know, I have quite a few, even personal questions because I've all, I've often, I mean, I don't know about you, uh, about Robin Jordan, but I've definitely considered like, you know, there's gotta be this rhythm in life and part of that has to be rest. But I think my definition of rest is, is not like what a Sabbath rest can be. You know what I mean? Um, like I think my idea of rest is that I'm watching TV for the day or like I'm not working, so I'm just sitting around doing nothing. Um, and I would kind of like, you know, maybe you can give it, kind of give us an overview of maybe like biblically speaking, what you guys have found Sabbath really to be and some ways that you've put that into your life. Yeah, that's great. Um, well, the... The starting point um, that I think the most sort of helpful definition that I've um, come across actually came from that class from um, from a theologian named Marva Dawn. She's a contemporary theologian who's written a lot on sort of worship and um, and uh, actually a whole bunch of things, sexuality. Um, but she's written quite a bit on Sabbath, and she talks about there's sort of four components, biblically speaking. And then sort of in the tradition, not just the Christian tradition, but the Jewish tradition as well. Um, and they are, they're, um, they're ceasing. So just like not working, it's like one of the negative ones. So sort of ceasing from productivity. Um, uh, embracing, which is, um, can be defined pretty broadly, but has to do with like embracing goodness, embracing beauty, embracing people particularly. Um, uh, I think rest is one of the four. So rest is not necessarily the same as ceasing. Uh, rest is actually a positive activity, which I think gets a little bit of your question, Tim, which we can bounce around. Like what's the difference between 
genuine rest and kind of vegging or, or shutting down or, um, and, and is that, is the latter, is that sort of what we're aiming for or something more? And then the, the fourth one, so ceasing, rest, embracing, and then feasting, that actually the Sabbath is a space where you can enjoy and sort of savor God's goodness and, and um, all its forms. Um, so that's a helpful definition because part of, I think part of the history of how Christians have thought about Sabbath and practiced Sabbath has tended sometimes to turn into sort of a list of don't do these things. Um, and this, this broader definition grounds it in, in like it, it orients it towards something. Um, biblically speaking, Sabbath is, is, um, I mean, it's something God does first, right? Which is, which is interesting because God is not, um, tired or in need of rest in the way that we are as creatures. And so, um, so that raises interesting questions. Like why does God, um, rest and from his creation and and then right. biblically speaking there's quite a bit of language about sabbath pointing forward so it's not just something that happened in creation but it's actually it's eschatologically oriented so when we observe sabbath we actually are pointing toward and participating in the future rest that we'll have in god uh in glory um so maybe that's enough to sort of raise some other questions to get started. But um, but there's a sense in which it's rooted in creation. It points towards the end of all things. And it, as as such, it's not just about like stopping things or, or not doing things. It's actually got a, a, a strongly positive content as well. Hmm. Yeah. I, it definitely, it appears, um, and I know I don't want to go off too far of this rabbit hole in particular, but it just seems like, based on what you just said, and I guess some other things that maybe even I've been discovering even more personally, that this term Sabbath is one of those things like in our modern day church culture that doesn't get talked about a lot, but is actually a very um, deep rooted thing scripturally that maybe we kind of have overlooked in our protestant movement um i'm not sure i can't speak on behalf of catholic movement or anything like that but i think at least in our circles jordan um you know it was never really um mandated as much as like other things like um like the mandate to attend church every sunday right that's a very big emphasis of like the evangelical movement like it's so important to be in the building on sunday mornings but this idea of resting of of healthy resting has at least in my upbringing was I think almost never brought up in the sense of like, you should do this as a good Christ follower. Does that make sense? So it is interesting because I think Paul, what you're saying makes a lot of sense. And I think that there's probably actually a very, it's probably woven throughout scripture a ton, but because it's never been on our radar growing up, I don't even know like how to look for it now yeah. as like a, as like a healthy Christian practice. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, and there's some reasons why it falls out in some Christian traditions. You know, there's there's some arguments made that because Christ doesn't sort of reintroduce the command that it's one of the ceremonial laws that we don't really have to, as Christians, follow. It's it's a Jewish thing, not a Christian thing. And so some Christians have argued that. Um, and that's an interesting, like, exegetical debate, you know. But I think it, in some ways it misses the point, which is that woven into the fabric of creation um this is a thing that god does and then he invites his people into and and so yeah maybe maybe getting hung up on like is this a binding thing is this a thing that we're required to do might actually miss the way in which sabbath is a gift that's you know um for some of us i think this was definitely true for my wife Paige. like in in Christian cultures and in upbringings that were very much about sort of being productive for God and, and working hard and doing a lot of ministry, um, there's a lot of guilt that can come with this idea that, like, it's okay to stop, it's okay to be still, um, and that God actually doesn't need you to, like, drive yourself into the ground because he's God. And, <laughs> you know, so... Uh, but. But in processing this um, in the in this first class we took on Sabbath, a really um, 
a really pivotal moment was realizing like Sabbath's not about work really, really hard all week so that you've earned a day off. Um, that's not what's happening actually at all. It's always a gift. It's always an undeserved gift, actually. Um, it's grace. Uh, and it, it breaks into your week. It breaks into your, you know, your schedule, whether or not you've earned it, whether or not you've done enough, um, as a gift. And that, that's a, I think a fundamentally different starting point as well. Moving from thinking of it as like a rule or, you know, a list of, um, to do's and not to do's to like, God, actually God loves you enough that he, um, invites you into something that's really good. Yeah, I, I don't remember if um, I, I actually a while ago read that Marva Dawn's book, The Keeping Sabbath Holy, um, and it was great. I remember just being impacted at, by it at the time. And I don't remember if it's something she says in there or something I heard somebody else say more recently, but kind of along that same line of thinking is there's this temptation to see Sabbath also as like, um, in addition to like you have to work hard to earn it, kind of thing as like it's also a chance for you to recharge so you can go out and do even better yeah and and they whoever this was it might have been her talking about this kind of warned against that too is it's not meant so to like increase your productivity later um you know it's it's separate from that too it's very hard, really right it's very hard for me to separate that though just because of of our cult i mean it's just that I understand, like my my brain comprehends what you're saying. Like it's like okay, but it doesn't make any sense <laughs> because I've only ever yeah. known like you rest so you can work, or you work hard so you can feel good when you rest. And yeah. it ties back in. I think for me personally, I can't speak on behalf of you guys or anyone listening, but I've always had a hard time with even receiving grace without trying to earn it. It's just a habit I have of like work, work, work to prove that I deserve something. And even though I know that I don't deserve it, it's still hard to fight those like, or it's, it's hard to believe, I guess, that I don't have to earn the gift, whether it's Sabbath or grace, yeah. but in this case, you know, rest. I, how, do you, how do you guys think we start undoing some of those like mental, you know, um, habits because uh, you know I've had to realize this past year many mental habits. You guys are obviously I talked about it very outspokenly, just dealing with you know anxiety and other things and just thoughts I can't really control. I've had, I've had to realize like wow I have to really do some mental work here, right? And this I think is no exception where I'm finding myself even as you're talking almost like rationalizing like well I, that sounds nice Paul that you don't have to work any harder, but I probably should if I'm gonna have a whole day off of just doing whatever rest is you know so what are like good ways practically to start like the process of undoing that very like high consumer high productive your your human values attached to you how much product uh productivity you can do how do you start undoing some of that yeah. stuff i mean i think that's a really big question and there's not i don't think there's an easy answer to it. i mean let's make the problem even worse it's not just that you um, and I think all of us struggle with this sort of feeling like we've got to earn um, whatever good comes our way. I think that's pretty just common to fallen humanity. Hmm. Um, but there's something about our modern world, and I don't mean um, – I mean particularly like modernity. So one of the definitions of modernity that a professor gave us was like it's it's viewing the world – through the lens of control and efficiency, um, and, um, and seeking sort of mastery over the world. Like this is what it means to live, um, in a modern way. Um, and when you live that way, first of all, um, you're living functionally as if God doesn't exist, even if you have sort of Christian language for what you're doing. But, um, but ultimately what you're seeking is control of, of events yourself the most sort of efficient way to achieve those ends and, and, a, and a kind of mastery. Um, so if that's the world we inhabit, which I think we all could, could say like, Oh yeah, that's pretty right. And then technology has only made it more extreme, right? Like, um, everything has to be more efficient. Everything has to be more adaptable. Right. Um, uh, then we're, we're even maybe worse off than, previous generations might have been they might have had other problems in terms of workaholism or whatever but 
um, I think it's a particularly acute problem. And it's not, it's actually not something I don't, I don't think it's something we can just think our way out of either huh. because of, right. Because it's not just about assenting to some ideas or not. It's about the way that the world is structured, the way that we do our relationships and our work and our recreation, like all these things actually, I think encourage us in this, um, in this way of seeing the world. Um, so it, it's worse than we think it is. <laughs> is that a good cheery takeaway? <laughs> so glad you're on the podcast, Paul. So happy. What, what, so a question that I would have that I think a lot of people, this would come to their mind is, um, what about then Genesis 1, where we have God's take on creating the world and his record of creating the world, and there's six days of creation, and then the seventh day is his day of rest. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, the way that our modern Christian mindset is, is God worked for six days and then he earned that rest. And we really have to combat what what yeah. even the creation story means then, um, because that's so ingrained in us. Rob, yeah, that's, that's Rob, great. Rob, Rob, we all know. About the, it's a literal seven days. We know about this. It's very black and white. You just read it as literal as possible. It gives you all the answers that you need. So next question, Rob. No, another, another, another podcast, Tim. Another podcast. Uh, go ahead, Paul. Yeah, and another, guest, and another guest, too. Goodness. Um, <laughs> uh, no, no, that's a really good connection, though, because clearly God didn't need to earn his rest because God is God, right? Like, um, there was nothing, there was no lack in God that he was trying to make up for in creating. Uh, there was no necessity that God create. Um, God was free to, and he did so because, um, God's love is such that it overflowed into this expression of self giving, um, uh, in creating the world. So precisely what we can't take away from Genesis one is the idea that this is rest that we earn because that's not what God did. You know, he didn't build up his God points such that everyone could be okay with him taking a day off. Right. Um, <laughs> Rather, he's invited, it's, and I think that, like, Augustine talks about this a lot, about how the whole point of God resting is, it's, he's very clearly signaling something to us. It's not about him and what he needs, because he doesn't need anything. That's the right. definition of God. Um, it, it's an invitation into his rest, which is actually where Sabbath points us, which, you know, right. the ultimate rest we have in God. So it is, it is a, a challenge. But it, the other thing that's, I think crucial there in in the creation account is that precisely in contrast to this modern way of seeing the world where we're in control where everything's up to us where actually we have you know a a fairly enormous burden placed on us in terms of what we're expected to do because it is if it's up to you like well gosh if it goes wrong it's your fault right um and increasingly not only do we have technology which muddles the waters in terms of how we relate and and how we produce and how efficient we are and how much noise we deal with, but we have unlimited choices uh, in what we consume and how we're entertained and how um, how we keep in touch with our you know people we care about. Um, we have we're now being told we have the choice you know not just to figure out what we want to do with our lives um, or what we think you know we should believe about the afterlife, but like our identity is something we're told we should create and construct for ourselves all the way down to gender. Um, that's actually an enormous amount of burden. Like none of us was meant to carry that. Um, we, we can't do it. Like yeah. it's overwhelming. So do you think, uh, so, I think that's a good, there, there's uh, something that we have, oh, go ahead. There's, a, there's something we have to recover about being a creature, which means that these, some of these things are given to us, uh, that we have limits uh, and that those are good and actually trying to overcome them entirely might actually be a, a, a terrible thing to do. Which that's what the Genesis, the, the fall of Genesis was all about was God created, God created and said, this is, this is the job that I'm going to give. I want you to reign and rule on my behalf. And I gave you the format also that there are some times where you need to stop, rest and enjoy the creation, enjoy what you were created for, enjoy what the things that you have done it and it's not that you work to enjoy but that's part of who you are you are meant to enjoy the creation that i made mm-hmm. and part part of the 
the real fallacy or the real problem that happened in the garden was God said, these are the definitions of what you are, who you are, and the bounds of where you operate. And the tree of knowledge of good and evil was, are you going to let me define them for you as the creator and being uh, mm-hmm. that created all this? Or are you going to take control and do it yourself? Yeah. And that that's the problem that we've had since the garden is, no, God, we see what you've defined. We want to do this for ourselves. We want to be our own gods, as it were, and define everything down to um, gender identities or you know, take it across the spectrum. We want to yeah. be the ones that define it. And that's, that's as you, I think you pointed out precisely, it. we are never meant to, bur- to bear that burden. Uh, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense, uh, Rob and Paul. I was, Paul, I was thinking about, I think it was you and I talking a little while ago. I remember calling you about, uh, I was talking to you about hell and just like some, some thoughts I had around that. I was like wrestling with like, like some ideas around it. And I think maybe you said this or maybe after we talked, I, I had this thought of like, you know, ultimately, it's not my responsibility to decide some of this stuff. You know, like it's not in like my thought process is not going to change the reality of whatever the situation is. And I remember having that moment of like, oh, it's not my responsibility to solve this puzzle. And it was like a really it was a really big burden relieved, honestly, of like, wow, yeah. like it's actually not on me to have to figure this out. And that was kind of that first taste yeah. I got of wow, like, you know what, when I do leave some things up to things that are outside of my control and realize that, you know what, like, ultimately, God has it figured out. How he's working is just. I just have to trust it. It actually was way more calming than spending hours on, you know, YouTube videos or talking to friends, trying to validate, like, whatever I'm thinking in my head, you know? It really, it was was kind of a taste of what you talked about. Just that idea of, like, yes, some things as humans we were never designed to own and be responsible for. And now that we put those burdens on us, they're actually quite mentally like toxic (laughs) and they're causing people to do all sorts of crazy things because there's so much pressure on us to make the right decision or to have the right thought or to redefine who we really are based on whatever we feel in a given moment. It's, it is uh, a huge burden that maybe we don't need to have that we do voluntarily. And there's there's all sorts of different Christian versions of this, right? That the the little ways in which we live as if really it was up to us, you know, not up to God. And e- even things that are really good, like a real fervent commitment to activism or action, you know, a really strong commitment to social justice, or a really like really passionate commitment to evangelism. Um, like fill in the blank, any of these things can easily slip into a sort of like, it is actually up to me. Um, and if I don't like sort of burn out, then, then I'm sort of letting God down or letting the world down or whatever. Um, and this is why we, we can't just think our way out of it. And this is why we need practices, you know, this language of practice, uh, like Sabbath being a thing you practice. It's like, it's like learning to play an instrument or, um, uh, you know, it's like being apprenticed in a craft. You can't just sort of look at it on paper, you know, you have to actually try and you have to kind of repeat it a bunch and it's going to be messy and it's going to be weird and you're going to fail, but you actually, it's like a thing you have to do. Um, and that doesn't make it like a works thing or a legalism thing. It just means it's a habit. You got to like, this stuff is so deep in us that we need these practices uh, and Sabbath is just one of them, but things that we can give ourselves to over time with the hope that, you know, someday, and it could be decades, um, some of these parts of us will be, uh, have been sort of transformed by, by the spirit. So what are, like, I guess for you and Paige in particular, if you guys have um, a Sabbath, if you take a Sabbath, what does that look like for you guys on like a practical or on, on like a practice level? You know, does it look yeah. like... You're like, I have one friend, you know, um, that I know you said at least Sabbath every Tuesday, his phone was off. He wasn't available to get a hold of, but like, if you, if you end up finding him, he'd be down to hang out because he's just kind of open yeah. to whatever, what, kind of whatever happens, you know, but like for you and, and Paige, what does that look like for you guys? Yeah, that's great. I love that idea. There's something about, um, an openness that I think it really gets at this idea of ceasing, you know, for Paige and I, we make a lot of plans and we've got like you know, even our relationships and friendships can sort of turn into to-do list things, you know, when are we going to see them? Yeah. There's something about, 
letting go of that and being um, spontaneous, you know, um, I, we, you know, we do try to, it, since I've been in grad school now for quite a long time, like just some things are really clear. Like I'm not going to do school on Sunday, you know, and, um, uh, that's really freeing. Actually. It's a really good thing. Uh, it, it's so much better, <laughs> which isn't why you do it. It's not about the pragmatic outcome, but so that's like a clear one. And there's other ones that are less clear. Like we do try to diminish our technology and our sort of entertainment, that's of a more sort of vegging kind of, uh, but th- we're not always as consistent with that. Um, for us, I think it's really clear on um, letting go of w- where we sort of feel compelled, like, oh, but if I, you know, if I just had an hour to do this, like that, that flag, like that flag's like, nope, no, you don't, you know. It's not a thing you have to do. So, so really, it's, in some ways, it's about that attitude. And then practically what that looks like changes season to season for us. But, um, but we do Sunday, so we have church. And then we try to be sort of um, looking for ways to rest or embrace. You know, it's not just about um, sort of relaxing, right? It's about feasting um, uh, or, or a relational sort of kind of embracing. So... One of my, I think, I think someone who's listening to this and even myself could think that because we're talking about maybe a Christian practice, that means you have to do Christian things on, during the day. Like, okay, like great, it's a Sabbath day. So I have to get in the word more and like study and like pray more during that day and whatever it would be, you know, but I mean, how would you balance something like that? You know, like, cause I, I think I would feel the obligation like, okay, if I'm setting this time apart as like holy quote unquote, I got to do holy things, quote unquote, you know, so I better read the Bible more or something spiritual. So I feel more connected to, to God, you know, how do you, what do you do with that kind of stuff? Yeah. I mean, the language you use there of obligation is a pretty like clear sign that like that's, we're back in the mode of like getting spiritual <laughs> things done. Um, <laughs> right. That, but, but it's also, you don't want to just sort of be like, follow your heart, do whatever you want. Like, I think this is part of why it's a practice, right? You give yourself to it. You know, I've, I've wrestled with things like football. Like I, I really like watching football. Right. Um, sometimes, sometimes I watch football in a way that's like clearly not, um, you know, like I, I cheer for a terrible football team. So I'm like really mad. And I was like, well, that's not, it's not that it's unchristian to watch football, but if I can't, if this becomes something that just makes me enraged and like depressed for a whole afternoon, that's actually, that's actually is a problem. It actually does show me something about where I've got some, wrong, where, where my loves are sort of disordered. Right. Like, um, so it's it's in that sense it's a thing you reevaluate and ideally you don't just do it in your own head ideally you do it with like a spiritual director or a mentor of a kind who you can say like hey here's what i'm aiming at you know here's what i'm trying here's how it's going and and get someone to walk with you in it um but it's definitely not about like filling up your spiritual sort of tank so that you can then coast for the rest of the week part of the whole point of a sabbath practice is that it's meant to bleed out under the rest of your life. You know, it's not like the other six days I am going to live like it's all up to me and grab control and like be super efficient. And like, like, no, the whole point is that, um, it transforms every day and you learned to be uh, hopefully more and more at rest in God and who he is. And, um, and to let go of these other idolatries that we sort of cling to. Um, I had a thought you mentioned earlier, Paul, about kind of the attitude of people in ministry specifically. And I think, uh, a lot of times people that do ministry, even if it's just, just like at their local church kind of thing, um, can have a hard time with the idea of Sabbath or I just maybe more so just like the practical, like, how does that actually happen when, you know, for a lot of people, Sunday is the day that they Sabbath. And then for a lot of people in ministry, Sunday is also a day where, you know, you show up at 6am to set up for church and you, you know, you 
have to practice for a worship team or whatever. And like, you know, Tim and I have experienced this for sure. And it's been, it was hard. I mean, we, my wife and I experienced this over the last few years, just being part of a church plant, which can be a little more, you know, it, it relies more on, on the volunteers and oh, yeah. it relies more on the, you know, just people kind of showing up and doing things. Mm-hmm. And the idea of a Sabbath, you know, and the idea of Sunday as a Sabbath. That's can, a joke. Can, <laughs> right. It gets to that point where it's, it's like, you know, what are you talking about? You know, half my day yeah. is this obligation that I have. And, and like you were saying, not that it's born out of a place of, you know, oh my gosh, I have to do this. This is so, but it can be like a really good thing. You know, like I want to serve, I want to be here and I want to be available. Um, but how does that mesh with this whole thing of Sabbath? Um, and so I guess I want to hear your thoughts on that, but, uh, also a really cool thing I experienced recently since we moved, uh, to Kentucky, um, we've been going to this church that my brother's a part of, uh, in downtown and they're, they're fairly new, just a couple year old church, um, but one of their core values is rest. And so they talk about Sabbath a lot and the idea of resting. And one thing, a really cool thing that they do, um, that I think is a really cool application, especially for newer churches that rely a lot on volunteers, um, is they do a Sabbath Sunday. So every seventh Sunday, um, they don't have church and he talks about the pastor talks about it a lot and just kind of gives focus for it. Um, it's not just, uh, especially cause it fell on this past Sunday, which was the Super Bowl. So he had to be a, he was like, this was not a convenience thing. We promise. <laughs> <laughs> <Seven> Sunday. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess I just, I mean, that was a really cool yeah. thing for me to see this church kind of, uh, taking as part of their identity and kind of saying, you know, we're going to make this important. Um, I guess, and but I know that's not the case in a lot of times. So I guess I want, was just wondering your thoughts on like for people yeah. in ministry in the church. Um, I know Tim said another one, like a friend of ours, he used to do it on Tuesday. So maybe uh, option is just another day. Um, but I guess what are your thoughts on that for like people in ministry and the whole Sunday on a set, Sabbath on a Sunday? How does that work out? Yeah, that's great. I mean, I, I don't have a as much probably insight as, as pastors that have to deal with this, but I certainly know, you know, ministers that that's what they do. They take another day of the week. And, um, and, and, and I think it's also important for churches to be willing to sort of, um, for this to be a way in which you care for, you know, your, your spiritual leaders to like really let them take that time off. And then frankly, to give them like, you know, the whole point of a sabbatical is a Sabbath, you know, like yearly sabbaticals for ministers to 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 re- go on retreat to recharge to sort of renew in their uh, in their with God with their family whatever you know needs to happen in that that's a like that's a costly thing for a church to do to give you know give somebody a month off every summer or something um, but I think you gotta I mean build it into the culture you know. Um, and and commit to it and and um too often i think we well yeah we just extend our other understandings of how what success looks like which is productivity and sort of busyness and non-stop we extend that to church ministry and we think well because church ministry is the most important thing then you know we've really got to do it and and that's just that's how you get unhealthy churches and burned out pastors and scandal and you know fill in the blank yeah, I do want to piggyback off that for a second because um, at least right now specifically, the, I think the almost hmm, – I want to be careful here, but I think one of the most difficult places to be um, in ministry is like what I call the full-time volunteer, meaning you're very involved. Like I'll use myself as an example. Right now, I'm the only drummer at our church, so I'm playing the majority of our services. We do three services a Sunday. Uh, I do a practice Tuesday night. I'm at the church by 6.45. I get out at 1 o'clock. That's like my schedule on top of my normal job, you know, on top of normal life yeah. stuff, right? So, like, that's been, like, always my biggest challenge is, like, if I start thinking, like, through, like, my days, I'm like, okay, like, I can't think of one full 24-hour period that I can say – to someone, sorry, I'm just like not available. I can't tell my parents who yeah. I work for, like, sorry, mom and dad, like, I'm gonna on Thursdays from now on always be off and take a Sabbath. That's just not realistic for my job. 
And then Sundays, yeah. you know, for me, like I see what I'm doing as like just being able to serve my church. Like I really am, am committed to them. And like I, even when I don't feel like it, I still believe that I'm called to do it. So I don't feel necessarily burnt out where it's like, oh, like the church is like not taking care of me. But right now there's just a need in particular for our context. And I'm the only one who can feel it. We're praying for another drummer to come in. That'd be great. But right now it's just me. So, you know, so that really gives me like one o'clock to like maybe eight o'clock on a Sunday. But the other thing about Sunday nights is that like that's one of the rare times like people want to get together with like Sarah and I. So it's like, okay, now there's dinner plans yeah. on the calendar. You know, so I, I just use that as an example of like I think that's probably personally my biggest struggle is I yeah. I look through then I feel like a bad Christian. Like, dang, I'm just not radical enough to say no. Like, where's my <laughs> where's my sacrifice? You know what I mean? And yeah. and I don't know, like I can kind of get my own head about that, but I yeah. think that there what I realized is that unintentionally in the modern evangelical movement, we really have built this like church machine that will eat, eat people up and suck them dry of their energy and passion until they just can't give anymore. And then they get burnt out and then the church just kind of spits them out. Not meaning, not that, 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 that the church is like, Oh, good riddance. That's not my point. But like the machine itself does that, you know, it kind of says, yeah. Oh, you want to serve? Great. There's always somewhere to serve. So the it's almost <laughs> like the more you want to give, the more they're going to drain you dry. Right. And then eventually yeah. you have this problem where it's like, because these Sunday mornings in so many Sunday evangelical services are so now produced and there's so many layers of like production and just like planning, you know, to it, it really becomes a machine. And I don't know like what has to give for Sabbath to become part of the conversation again. I, and I don't know if it ever will because of how we currently run the modern evangelical service. I know that, Rob, you are obviously part of a different <laughs> tradition. And, and Paul, I know that you're Anglican, which is also way different, you know, as far as like what what tradition that you're you're a part of. But I think for Jordan and myself, and particularly right now me, where I'm at is like a very like new, you know, on the cutting edge, so to speak, technologically of like Sunday morning gathering. And it's it's a machine. I mean, it, it, it does not stop. It just doesn't. Yeah. It's you almost feel like that the the church, the current church model, was built off of the American culture, and that the model is just wrong. <laughs> there you go, Tim. I, Your so, model's wrong. <laughs> Get out of but, there. <laughs> but in in so many ways, like there's there's a lot of New Testament principles that that come to clash with how the model is set up because now you have a pastor who has to preach every Sunday, who has to do all of the pastoring. And we've talked about this ad nauseum, that the that model is just wrong. We, we still perpetuate it because that's what our culture drives, and that's what the people want, so that's what the people get. But the model is wrong and, and really doesn't promote this Sabbath idea, which should permeate us, because the, the, the Lord himself talked about Sabbath. And... Um, in numerous occasions, he even said, you know, the, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath, and kind of flipped on its head everything that the religious leaders were going through. But I, I think it's it's part of the the culture of our society seeping in and controlling even how the church model works that has flipped things around. And if I, I don't know what the fix is because it's, it's a big problem. Well, but. that's kind of, yeah, and we could definitely. I'm sure we'll have Paul back on. And I'm and I know Paul because we talked about it has a ton of great, honestly, insights into that problem of like the modern evangelical movement and just these practices that we've kind of built as like essentials to church life that are not really essential at all, um, and things that we've kind of thrown out uh, <laughs> that like are actually pretty essential to church life. Um, but for sake of this conversation, you know. I, I think Paul, what, what you're really hit on, and I think is, I think that anyone can start doing is at least starting the process of being mindful of like of that idea of like you know what I gotta start looking for even maybe just small moments to Sabbath like maybe I can't start with like a 24 hour period maybe I can start with one hour you maybe I can start with one hour of just being able to turn off my phone and just spend time outside or just go for a walk or just like be present in the moment. You know, whatever it is, you know, I'm sure there are many different approaches on ways to practice this idea of like realizing that, hey, you're not at the center of your world and that guess what? There's a God who's actually 
way more in charge than you are, and you should rest at that, knowing that yeah. that that if you if I if I didn't show up on Sunday morning to drum, the service is still going to happen. God will still be glorified. The world's going to carry on. You know, that's a relief. So I don't know, Paul. What do you think about that? Like, can people start looking for like yeah. moments of Sabbath? Is that possible? I think that's good. I mean, yeah, for the really committed volunteer, or let's go with another example, like. What about the single mom who's working like a part-time job and a full-time job, you know? Right. Is this is this talk of having the the privilege and the sort of means to take a whole day where you're not worried about is it is it just come down to sort of class or you know whatever. Right. And and like for sure it's going to be a lot easier for some people to do this in a really robust way than others. And other, you know, pastors or ministry people in ministry or people that work, you know, in the medical profession and work really difficult hours, you know, we can fill in all kinds of examples. And I think the key is like, yes, for, for, for one, I think you named a a great idea, which is start with a small practice, you know, um, maybe you can't do a day. Maybe you can really intentionally do a half day, a morning, you know, where you really do cease, um, and see where it goes. But the other thing I'd say is like, it's not... Sabbath can't just be one more thing that we're trying to squeeze in because you know it's it's an invitation from God who gives it, which means that um, the 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 goal here is not to figure out how to like live our best, more peaceful, mindful, good, balanced life right now. That's the precisely the thing that Sabbath is undoing. You know, um, that's that's just secular self help. That's like you know declutter your home and your life will be great and your family won't have any problems. You know, that's, that's garbage. Um, and it's certainly not the gospel and it's definitely not, um, what the gift of Sabbath is. The gift of Sabbath is, um, you've been invited into the rest of God. And so, um, like embrace that, embrace it as a really good thing. And that could mean like the drumming on Sunday mornings or, you know, in my case, you know, serving in nursery or something becomes like this joyful thing where it's like I get today instead of, you know, you know, out there trying to make money or whatever, I get to hang out with two year olds and like, we're going to eat Cheerios and stuff. And (laughs) so I, I, I don't know if that helps, but certainly don't, don't not receive the gift because you think, you know, you don't have the capacity for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so in some ways I'm not answering, I can't answer the question for what that looks like for somebody like you or, or the, for the single mom, like, but, but the gift is there. Um, it's funny because you made a great point of like, it's, it's just amazing. Like, I, and I don't know why, well, I guess I know why it's just, why is it so difficult to rest? I mean, it's just, it's not like we're talking about yeah. resting, like what should be a very natural thing to cease and to rest. And we have the opposite problem where we don't know how to stop. And in particular, I think that you're right, Paul, like this, uh, you know, particular culture that we're in of high efficiency, you know, how can corporate America extract the most, you know, like pr- productivity out of like a human and how can we keep our margins low and our profits high and how can you always be doing something and there's always things to do and I mean the list goes on, right? I mean we, I could be here we could have spent the whole hour lab- listing things off that people have to do, right? So yeah. it is this idea and even I still, you know, like the idea of like just resting and being invited into what God's offering and receiving that is like a very difficult thing because it's so counter to how my mind has been wired by just my culture, you know, like it's just hard to not put it on my list of to do's like, all right, Tim, work, work, work. Oh, to do rest. Okay. I'm doing rest. Like it's an oxymoron. Right. But I feel like if I if I rest too long, my mind only starts thinking about what's to come, right? And I think, at least for me, and probably for a lot of people out there, learning how to be in that moment of rest and just receive that time of really, in my opinion, mindfulness and just being aware of that present is really important to do because if not, your mind will just jump to, well, yeah, but after this, I have to do this and after this. Well, it's like it's not about that right now. Like enjoy the moment of ceasing. It's important to do that. Yeah. And, and, and that's a, that's a really good point because the first thing you're going to find when you 
commit to a Sabbath practice is how frustrated you are by how much of your time when you when you should be resting, you're just like thinking about like, okay, if I can just strategically work my way through this week, then you know, and and that's just part of it, you know. Yeah. And that you're not gonna do it right. You're gonna fail. It's gonna be. It's gonna be hard. Well, that's good though to yeah. give people permission. I think I hate to I hate to use this terminology. I know it's very modern, but this like I, hey, it's okay. Like if you don't get it right the first time, you know. I think there are a lot of people out there very perfectionist driven. Yeah. Especially, I feel like people in the in the music world, people in the sports world, people even in the you know the, just in the world are very perfectionist driven. And so we feel like, well, if we can't nail it the first time, like why even try? But it's okay. Like if you. If you go for it and you don't hit it right on, that's really okay. That's part of the process. It is a practice. It is a discipline. It's not overnight. That's why I love that you compared it, Paul, to like learning an instrument because that's something that you'd like say to someone and they would never expect the first time they pick up an instrument they've never held before to play it perfectly. Right. Um, But for some reason, we don't apply that same thinking to this idea of Sabbath in that we – it's not that you're going to fail the first time. But it's not, you know, it's the first time. It's going to be off key and out of tune. And, you know, you still have techniques and disciplines to learn in that. Um, I think something that you were saying, Tim, like, why is it so hard to rest? And, like, why is our mindset always, you know, it it seems like it should be a natural thing to just stop. Um, But I think part of the, the issue that we have with that is that, that kind of rest that the Sabbath is about is so much about letting go of the control we need to feel of everything. Um, and maybe it's harder for us now in our, our modern society than it ever has been. And, um, you know, it, it, it was in, in terms for, you know, the biblical original biblical readers where it was very much a physical rest, you know, you need to stop working in the field (laughs) because that's what you do all the time. Um, but for us, it's not so much that, but it is about, and, and for that person, it was about, you know, if you don't go out and physically work in your field, your harvest isn't going to be as good, or you might have issues with this that'll affect your, your income and your livelihood and your family's future. Um, and for us, what that lo- really looks like is, you know, what 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 are we always striving for and trying to control, and how can we let go of that and trust God in that moment? You know, there's an, an element of trust that's required for that rest, mm-hmm. and maybe that is what you were saying, Tim. That that radical thing of, you know, the show will go on if you don't show up to drum, or you know, the service will still happen if the the guy who always speaks doesn't speak that Sunday. And, you know, maybe for the single mom, it's, it is the radical thing of saying, you know, this is going to make it harder financially for me, but I'm going to take this time. Um, and I feel like if it's something that, like you guys were saying, that God has invited us into in a similar way that he invites us, you know, into relationship with him, <laughs> Um, and it really comes back to the heart of the gospel that there is an element of, you know, you're kind of jumping off a cliff, (laughs) but because he's the one that said it was okay, we're going to do it. Yeah. I love that. And I, I think trust is a really good word there. Um, it, it's, it seems like for many of us Christians, you wouldn't really know that we had good news if you, if you just looked at how stressed we are and how (laughs) you know basically just like everybody else we're running around and and so this this is a sense in which i think embracing a sabbath practice is a way of remembering part of what makes the gospel good news which is that um, god gives us more than we deserve um much more and and so in that sense the aim of sabbath is joy right like to be joyful people, which is not to be people with our heads in the sand or people that are just kind of happy personalities, but the deeper kind of joy that can go hand in hand with suffering, with loss, um, with the difficulty of life. Um, but but it's not possible unless you know you're living in light of that that abundant grace. Um, there's a I think the Marva Dawn talks about lighting a pink candle. 
or wearing a pink outfit on Sundays when she practices Sabbath because that's the that's the, the 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 liturgical color for joy. It's meant to be a day of joy. Um, again, the kind of joy that comes not because you're living your best life now or whatever, but um, that you've been given a gift. So, mm. it, in that sense, it's really good news. It's it's you know it's 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 a difficult thing to a difficult gift to accept, but it's. It's a joyful thing. Hmm. Yeah, man. I mean, that's that's good stuff. Uh, I feel like at least in you know, like Jordan, you mentioned earlier uh, that like at least at the time in biblical times, a big focus obviously was physical rest because of how hard you know people had to work. And I feel like at least in our culture, it's not so much maybe the physical, but it's way more of like the mental. I think our our minds are never turned off uh, between. The endless, like Paul, what you said, endless amount of choice, and it, we always have decisions to make, right? Like, like our markets are built off of the idea of like choice. Like the more choice, the better. But there comes a point where I think you just short circuit your mind. You just can't keep up with like the always on, always connected, always advertised, always new content, always a new choice. Like at some point, your brain just kind of short circuits. <laughs> it goes like, I just cannot, like, no more choice. <laughs> no, I'm done, you know? And I feel like at least in our modern context, a big uh, benefit, I would imagine, you know, is that God's inviting us into that mental rest of like, you know what? Don't worry about choosing this. Like, just rest. Don't worry about, you know, having to think about, like, what you have to do to control the situation. Just rest. Which I feel like, honestly, I it seems like, like there's a very big movement slash awareness slash, like, growing amount of, like, mental health issues. Like, anxiety, depression, all the other kinds of stuff. You know, OCD, whatever. Um, that, the, that this is great news for. <laughs> like, actually, as Christians, like, what if we told you that you don't have to spend hours, like, trying to self-help yourself all the time and, like, thinking about how to fix yourself, but you can just rest <laughs> in the goodness of God. I think it's a powerful thing, you know, so. I think go, go figure. He thought of it. <laughs> yeah. I, I think contrary to popular belief, and maybe I'll figure it out when my kids get older, but I think kids teach you about rest quite easily and quite quickly. Um, maybe not in the first couple weeks of life as they're crying and eating in the middle of the night, but um, you know, I, I can't tell you how many times Elijah's just been playing in the other room and I think I need to work so hard and get my taxes done because the due date's coming up. And he just walks out, and he's got, like, a Lego toy in his hand, and he just says, Daddy, will you come play with me? And immediately it's that mindset of, you know what, what's more important, me just enjoying the gift that God has given me in my son or getting my taxes done three months early? I think it's going to be going to play with my son. So I go out in the other room, and I set aside everything else, and I just focus and just be with my son. And I think that they teach us those things in very childlike ways. And it's a good reminder to a Sabbath doesn't have to be, oh, I have to go read like like you've already said, Tim, or I have to pray and I have to do this. It can be so many different things and it can be at different times and different ways. But if it permeates our life, when those moments come up, we'll be able to recognize them and just enjoy the gift that is in the present um, that we have right then. Yeah. Listen, guys, it's great stuff. I mean, Paul, um, great insight. And uh, I really feel like we could, like, we're, we're just scratching the surface, but an hour is already flown by, if you can believe it. It's amazing, like, just how, just like that time flies by. But, Paul, if you're down with that, I'd love to have you back on uh, at some point in the future for either a continuation of this or a different topic. I feel like we could really hit so many other things with you on with on the show so um yeah well yeah. thanks for having me enjoyed enjoyed talking to you guys and you know next time you make your pilgrimage down to magnolia uh, <laughs> we can do this uh without a screen listen all i'm saying is it, it'd be good to have a theologian on coffee theology and jesus yes <laughs> yes that's all i'm saying i mean we have one yeah. in paul it's perfect you know so uh paul would you mind just plugging um your your uh, school again uh just so where people yeah. can find the information on it totally yeah um brazosfellows.com uh, we've got a blog that's linked to on there as well so 
you can get some really great little posts from the fellows this year and some of our tutors and instructors on what they've been up to, you know, insight into it. But yeah, if you're, you know, if you're not sure what's next or you want to sort of intentionally spend some time in discernment, um, and study, um, you know, one of the, one of the questions we're asking is like, what if, what if we don't do our best thinking on ourselves? What if the question isn't, how do you think for yourself, but who do you think with, um, and trying to learn to think with the church actually about these big questions. What do I do with my life? And, um, you know, how do we live as Christians in this society and what does it mean to be human? These sorts of things. So, um, check out the website, you know, Paige and I are always, um, would love to talk or Skype with anybody who's interested. Brazosfellows.com. And, you know, Waco's got great barbecue. So I can, I can confirm it's delicious. Um, and we'll make sure that we put, put that link in the, um, uh, show notes, Rob. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. I'll put it in the show notes and I'll put your contact information, um, through that website and everything in there. So super. people can find you. Your social, your home address, all the usual stuff. So (laughs) yeah, that's right. Make sure I don't get any rest. Make sure I get, yeah. Uh, great. Well, Paul, again, thanks for coming on. Um, Hey everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you, uh, want to give us some feedback, tell us what you think. Feel free to email us or write in the comments. Uh, we really appreciate you guys listening and we will see you next time. Thanks for checking out the Coffee Theology in Jesus podcast. You can always drop us a line on Facebook or through our email, podcast at coffeetheologyandjesus.com, as we love to hear from our listeners. Until next time, drink coffee, discuss theology, and love Jesus. But where's the water? What's your plan?